I'm Dr. Joe Esposito, and welcome to our podcast, For the Health of It, episode 37. Remember to subscribe to this podcast, and I'll help you naturally get well and stay well. The information presented on this program is not intended to take the place of your personal physician's advice, and it is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Discuss this information with your own physician or healthcare provider to determine what is right for you. Are you suffering needlessly? Dr. Joe can give you advice on how to naturally get well and stay well. Dr. Joe Esposito. What we're talking about today is blood sugar. Now, this is a big issue because people always think about blood sugar, they think about diabetes. Well, yeah, blood sugar is related to diabetes, and there's three types of diabetes. We're going to cover those, type 1, type 2, and the one you don't know about, type 3. So we're going to cover type 1, type 2, and type 3 diabetes. We're going to talk about why blood sugar is so important. And why, if it's too high or too low, it becomes a problem. you got to get your blood sugar in what we call the Goldilocks zone, where it's just not, not too hard, not too soft, but just right. So we want to make sure you get our blood sugar exactly where it needs to be. What affects that? Why some people have problems with it? Why type 2 diabetes, the new research is showing in many cases, can be resolved. Not treated, resolved. And that's pretty exciting. And what happens with blood sugar? How it affects the brain, how it affects your energy levels. going to cover all that today. So a couple of stats, you know, i got to give you your stats when we start out. Uh, 80 million people, one in four, have some form of diabetes in the United States. In England, it's one in three. Those are some scary numbers right there. That's a lot of people having diabetes. And again, we'll talk about what that really means. Type 2 diabetes is, is, is a problem with insulin resistance. It's not a blood sugar problem. It's a problem with insulin and insulin resistance. So what happens is, when you put, I'm going to go over this a lot today because I got to, I got to drill this into your brain. What insulin does, it's released from your pancreas. sits over here on the left. Insulin is released when you eat sugar. So that's breads, cookies, cakes, donuts, pastas, really anything with a sugar or carbohydrate in it. And the way carbohydrates are broken down is your mouth has saliva in it. Okay, so it's called salivary amylase. Salivary amylase, when you start eating food, you chew your food like you're supposed to, and it mixes with the salivary amylase and starts to break down the carbohydrates. Then it passes into your stomach. You swallow it, it goes into your stomach. Your stomach's job is to take proteins and break them down into amino acids. So sugar's here, stomach is proteins. So we have pepsin, pepsinogen, hydrochloric acid, and it breaks the, the big chunks of proteins into amino acids. Then it passes into your small intestine. Now we got a backup plan. We have your pancreas. Remember pancreas and, and insulin? It does other things too. So you have this backup plan. What the insulin does, the pancreas releases protease amylase and lipase which break down carbohydrates, fats, and proteins. Protease is protein, lipase is fat, and, and, and so, so on and so forth. I'm going to be redundant here. So we're breaking down protease, amylase, and lipase uh, more. Then it moves down a little further, and your gallbladder kicks in. Your gallbladder releases bile, which digests fat even further. So proteins, carbohydrates, and fats have two places that they get broken down. It's kind of like a backup plan. If you don't chew your food enough, like most people don't, it passes into your small, it goes into your small intestine where the pancreas has a secondary backup plan. Now, a lot of folks, going to go off on a tangent here, break down, they have their gallbladder removed. I sometimes wonder if all the gallbladder surgeries are necessary. I'm not a surgeon. I'm board certified in chiropractic, orthopedics, pain management, a double board certified in nutrition, BS in nutrition, retired dietitian. Not a surgeon. But my feeling is talk to your surgeon and say, listen, does my gallbladder really have to come out? Do we know that's the problem? Now, if the gallbladder is diseased, you probably need it removed. But many cases, if we get somebody on a good diet and straighten out their liver and straighten out their, their food intake, get them on high nutrient diet, 
the gallbladder problems seem to go away. Now, not saying you don't need surgery. Please understand that. But if you can avoid surgery on anything, I hope you would. So let's assume we have a gallbladder removed. Now we have our backup plan for breaking down fat taken off the table. We only have our pancreas releasing lipase to break down the fat. So you're not going to digest fat as well. So if you've had your gallbladder removed, you have to, have to, have to, have to take really careful, uh, pay careful attention to what you're eating because you don't want to eat a lot of big, heavy, fatty, saturated meals like meats, dairy products, cheeses, things like that because it's probably not going to get broken down properly. And the risk of heart disease then goes up too if you have your gallbladder removed. Thought I'd throw it out there. So back to where we were with, with the insulin. So the problem with type 2 diabetes is it's not a sugar problem. It's an insulin problem. And insulin is re- released from your pancreas when you eat sugar. And it goes into the cells and it opens up the cells. It's kind of like a key. It opens up the cells and tells the sugar to come on in. Well, if you eat too much sugar, like most people do, breads, cookies, cakes, donuts, pasta, sugars, what happens is the cells can't take any more sugar. The cells would get gunked up if we put any more sugar in there. So the cells kind of tell the insulin, I'm not going to let you open me up. I'm not going to let you, uh, you know, unlock my lock because I, don't, I can't take any more sugar in. And the cells become insulin resistant. That's a fancy word for type 2 diabetes. You're insulin resistant. So the way to solve that is stop putting sugar into the body so the pancreas stops producing insulin so much so that the cells eventually go, you know, insulin hasn't been around here in a while to bother me. I think it's time we insulin get back together again. And then it says, okay, insulin, I'm going to let you open up, unlock me and let sugar in. And that solves the insulin resistance problem. So type 2 diabetes is not that you're not producing enough insulin. It's you're producing too much insulin. You're not utilizing the insulin you have is probably a better way to say it. So there's a ton of evidence that suggests the connection between diet and your risk of diabetes. And now type 3 diabetes, Alzheimer's disease. The brain has insulin receptor sites as well, and the insulin opens up the cells and lets it in. We used to think, and I'll cover this later if I have time, and I don't want to miss it, that your pancreas produced insulin and that was that. Turns out now your brain cells are producing insulin. So your brain cells release insulin. Insulin unlocks the cells. The cells open up and let the sugar in. It's called glucose. It's the sugar we use for fuel. Your brain can become insulin resistant, and we call that type 3 diabetes. Hmm. Interesting now, isn't it? So Alzheimer's now, some doctors, myself included, are thinking it's linked to a high sugar diet. The other thing we find with Alzheimer's is that when we do autopsies on these people, we find that they have clogged arteries in their brain. Now, what does that have to do with sugar? Well, sugar is an acid. It can irritate your artery walls, and then the body lays down cholesterol over the uh, like scratches that the acid puts or the sugar puts in your blood vessels. It lays down cholesterol, and that lay- clogs up the arteries. So it all keeps going back to the same thing. Got to start worrying about how much sugar you're putting in your body. Most people put too much in. And what's good? What's a good number for sugar? Right around 40 grams a day. What? Dr. Joe, that's insane. I can't do 40 grams a day. That's one soda. All the sugar I could eat all day in a perfect world. Yeah, exactly right. So we do eat too much sugar, and we're going to talk about how to avoid that and how to get all your nutrients and, and not eat the sugar. We'll talk about that as, as time goes on. Statistics uh, point two very important facts. First, diabetes cannot be, primary, um, cannot be primarily caused by genetics. And secondary, it literally screams that what we're doing is wrong. 
So people say, oh, my mother was diabetic, so I'm going to be diabetic. I came up with a word, and I don't know if other people use this or not. Instead of hereditary, I call it familial. I'm Italian, hey, familial. Familial means I was raised eating the same stuff my mother and father were raised. So I'm probably going to have a lot of the problems they have. Now, could genetics play a role in that? Yes, but it's really not a genetic thing. It's probably because you were raised by the people who have the diabetes, and you're having the same things in your body and in your life. You eat a lot of breads, cookies, cakes, donuts, and pastas. My mother was overweight. My father's overweight. Uh, my sister, she's not with us anymore. She was overweight. My grandparents were overweight. I was overweight. Is it genetic? No, we just ate too much. And so what I had to do was I had to really work hard on changing my diet to get back to a normal weight. I weigh the same I do now that I did in high school. And that was a long time ago. To the pound, actually, 185 pounds. So was it a struggle for certain points in my life? Absolutely, yes. But is it worth it? Yeah, it is. Absolutely worth it. It's way more fun to be healthy than it is to be sick. So there's something seriously wrong with the way we're treating diabetes. We keep giving you more insulin. The cells are already insulin resistant. So by giving you more insulin, it kind of forces the cells to open up and let the sugar in. Don't stop taking your medication. Please understand, I'm not your endocrinologist. But if we can change your diet, change the nervous system function, change how you absorb foods, hopefully you won't need the insulin anymore. And patients come to me all the time. I've been in practice almost 34 years now. Patients come to me all the time and say, Dr. Joe, I want to get, I want you, I love this one, I want you to get me off my blood pressure medication, my diabetes medication, my cholesterol medication. And I say this, I can't get you off your medication. I can show you how to get healthy enough so you don't need your medication, hopefully. And that's going to be my goal. And then they say, okay, I got it. So it's semantics. Yeah, it is semantics. But in reality, I'm not going to take you off your medication. I don't want you to stop it. I want to get you well enough so you go to your primary doctor and he says, hey, guess what? Your blood sugar is normal. Let's see if we can cut back your meds. Your blood pressure is dropping. Your cholesterol is normalizing. And then we work from there. We work by getting the nervous system working, the digestive system working, and good nutrition. As a chiropractor, we always check the nervous system. That's the first thing we check. Your brain is sending messages down your spine, out your nerves to every part of the body, the arms, the legs, the heart, the lungs. Everything is controlled because the brain tells it what to do. So as chiropractors, if we find bones pinching nerves, we want to put the bones back in place, unpinch the nerves, and open up the nervous system. And if you have a pinched nerve, let's say your pancreas, your liver, your spleen, your gallbladder, your prostate, your reproductive organs, we need to open that up. Just before I came on the air, one of my hosts, one of my fellow hosts, came into the station. He came in as a patient last week. I won't say his name until he says it on the air. Then I can say it. And he said, uh, he says, I could only lift my arm like so far. And I was having real bad pain in my arm, but I didn't want to tell anybody because they would maybe think it was a heart attack or something. He says, my, the numbness in my foot, much better. I haven't had a headache. I said, how's your headache? So I haven't had a headache since I started. A couple of days ago when I treated him. He says, I have to say, I'm really impressed with this. He says, I was very skeptical, but I'm really impressed. So does it work? Yeah, it works great. And so you got to get the nervous system working to get the body working. Then you got to get the right nutrition and then you got to make sure your digestive system is working, which we'll cover a little bit as we go on. Most people think type 2 diabetes, again, is a blood sugar problem. It's not. It's a utilization problem with insulin. All right, so definitions. Let's go through some definitions of different types of diabetes and then we'll cover some things you can do. Uh, before I get into the, what you need to do, see, I'm teasing you. In the business, we call this a tease. I got to keep you hanging on here so you keep listening. There's type 1, type 2, and type 3. Pre-diabetes, let's cover that one. If you, it's impaired glucose tolerance. It's described when er, the early stage of progressing insulin resistance. So it's on its way. It's not quite insulin resistant yet or type 2 diabetes. 
Con- conventionally, we do a, a fasting blood sugar, and it's between 100 and 125. Those are the numbers we use. 80 is perfect. 100 to 125, you're a little high for fasting blood sugar. Fasting means you haven't eaten for a while. So now we have to start watching. Pre-diabetes, I don't think there's anybody who's going to argue the fact that if you change your diet, it's going to be better. Simple turnaround, swap out foods, cut out the breads, cookies, cakes, donuts, and pastas, the processed foods. Eat mostly fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds. If you can eat mostly fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds, you'll be amazed how much better you feel, uh, how much money you'll save, first of all, gosh, and how much more energy you'll have. So fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds. Now, I said fruits. Fruits are high in sugar. And if you've listened to my shows before, I say you don't want to do more than about three or four pieces of fruit a day. Wait a minute, Dr. Joe. You just told me fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds. Now you're taking one of the four off the list. I don't like what you just said. All right, here's the deal. Years ago, people came to me, one person, I remember the first time it happened. Somebody said, Dr. Joe, what would you consider the world's best supplement? And I said, if somebody could take fruits and vegetables and put them in a pill form, that would be ideal. Imagine fruits and vegetables in a pill form. You just pop it, get, I don't know, seven, 10 servings of raw fruits and vegetables in a pill. Oh, that would be easy and cheap. Because the problem with fruits and vegetables, we grow it, then we have to pick it and preserve it and put it in refrigeration and ship it. It's got to be shipped. And then there's waste that goes along with it. If we could somehow take it right off the farm and put it in a pill, problem solved. Well, I did that. I didn't put it in a pill. I put it in a powder. We take fruits and vegetables for Dr. Joe's essential source, juice them, 17 different types, take the water out at a very low temperature, and what's left is a powder. Then we add prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes, a complete multivitamin. And now we have a powder called Dr. Joe's essential source. When we take the water out, we take the sugar out. So now diabetics can eat lots and lots of fruit, so to speak, the nutrients in fruit, without the sugar. And it's also good for non-diabetics too because we want to keep our blood sugar intake low. Sweetened with stevia, so it tastes great. I take Super Greens, which is another product, an essential source every single day. It's part of my nutrition or my supplement protocol. It's not the only ones I take. But if, if you don't do anything else, at least take this Dr. Joe's Super Greens and Dr. Joe's Essential Source. And people call me all the time, send me emails, say, Dr. Joe, is Super Greens an essential source safe for diabetics? And the answer is, if I was the grand poobah of the universe, I would make sure that every diabetic was taking Super Greens and Essential Source along with just about everybody else. Oh, not everybody, but almost everybody. So if you want to get Super Greens and Essential Source or get more information, go to my website, drjoe.com, D-R-J-O-E, drjoe.com. Couldn't make it easier. Or you can go to Amazon. We have an Amazon page as well. Relatively inexpensive for a scoop of each. So two scoops, one of each, is just over $2. A whole lot cheaper than anything you're doing. A lot of people say this to me too. They'll say, Dr. Joe, I'm saving so much money by taking the supplements you recommend. Not just these, but maybe some other ones too. And I say, what do you mean? They say, well, I'm not as hungry as I used to be. I can take the super greens, the essential source. I'm not nearly as hungry as I used to be, so I'm not eating as much food. I'm losing weight. I'm feeling better. I have more energy, and I'm not buying as much food. So I, I can go on and on and on probably two, three hours about how amazing the super greens, the essential source are. In my opinion, they're on the website, drjoe.com. So talking about diabetes and how to get your fruit in, that's, why, that's kind of my tangent I went into. Metabolic syndrome. This is another word you may have heard. It used to be called syndrome X, and then someone, I guess, smarter than me decided it's going to be called metabolic syndrome. Your insulin resistance in progress, not quite diabetic yet. Your liver's making too much sugar and fat. Your skeletal muscles aren't able to burn up the sugar and the glycogen. And glucose is stored in your muscles and your liver. So once all the cells have enough sugar in them, the body says, I still got sugar floating around. What do I do with it? Let me send it back to the liver and converting it into glycogen. Once all the glycogen stores are filled up, the body says, what do I do with it now? Still eating sugar. I can't stop you. So the body brings it back to the liver 
converts the sugar that you ate into triglycerides, which then gets stored as fat. So what's the sign of metabolic syndrome? High triglycerides, high belly fat, high sugar levels, high insulin levels. So now we have another term. Insulin resistance goes to the next phase, metabolic syndrome. And people call, come to me all the time and say, Dr. Joe, how do I lose my belly fat? Well, the belly fat is a warning sign. If you're fat all over, that's something else. But if you just have the big gut, the beer belly, that means your liver is not processing carbohydrates properly or you, it can't process pro carbohydrates properly because you're putting too many in. And then it starts storing it as abdominal or visceral fat. Viscera means organ. So you're building up fat around your organs and that's real dangerous because now the organs can't work. They don't need this layer of insulation. They're perfectly fine without you. So we got to get the nervous system working, the digestive system working, and good nutrition to clean this out. Now, if you want to make an appointment to come see us, and every time somebody listens to my show, Dr. Joe, I want to come see your team of doctors because all my doctors are handpicked by me, are trained by me, and are my personal doctors. And that's the key right there. My mother, when I was a kid, used to joke, go see your doctor's doctor because that's the person that they trust. All my doctors are my personal doctors. If I don't trust a doctor treating me, I don't treat, trust my doctors treating you. So if you want to come see us in the Atlanta area, we have offices in Marietta, Duluth, and Stockbridge. Go to my website, drjoe.com, set up an appointment. If you're not in the area, I know this show is heard all over the world, we could always do a phone consultation with you if you'd like. But the website is there 24 hours a day, drjoe.com. We can set you up a time to come see us. And we file many of the major medical insurances. So if you have insurance, let us check it. Sometimes it's in network, out of network. It's very, very confusing. We get confused and we've been doing this for 30 years. So let us check your insurance for you. If you've ever been in a car accident, ever, if the car was damaged, you were damaged 100% of the time. I don't care what the insurance company says. Oh, it was only minor damage. You weren't hurt. Bulldinky. That's a word I haven't used in a while. Bulldinky. My sister used to say that. Bulldinky. It's not true. Because if the car was damaged, your head had to snap back and forth. And your head isn't restrained by a three-point restraint system like a seatbelt. Your head's going to snap around. You're going to have damage. So you need to come see us right away or... If it was 50 years ago, right away. So neck pain, back pain, shoulder pain, numbness, tingling, acid reflux, heartburn, burping, gas, bloating. We would love to be your doctor. Nutritional issues, drjoe.com. Go to the website, call us or do it right online. We'll get you set up as soon as possible. So we're talking about insulin resistance and high blood sugar and diabetes. So there's type one diabetes. Let's cover that one now. So much, I got so much to cover, folks. This is probably like a four-hour lecture I got to give you here. Type one diabetes means... Your insulin is not producing the proper amount of, of, of insulin. Your pancreas is not producing the right amount of insulin. Usually born with it, genetic. Uh, usually before age 20, it's diagnosed. You need to take insulin for the rest of your life. Probably. I'm going to talk about some new research that's out. It just came out, actually. It's really exciting. And uh, what it's doing with insulin levels. And it's just crazy what's out there. And it costs, it's pretty expensive, though. It's four cents a day. I know it's a little steep for you. Four cents a day is what the research is showing that it can help stabilize blood sugar. And it's something I've been doing every day for years. And I had no idea that this new research is gonna say stabilize blood sugar and this four cents a day habit that you're gonna develop also can help build up your immune system because this thing we're gonna talk about has something called beta-glucan. And beta-glucan causes your immune system to activate. And a lot of research now is looking at beta-glucan and can we synthesize it? Ugh, we have it already for four cents a day synthesize the beta-glucan and then give it as a prescription to help stimulate the immune system to act. One doctor called it a universal vaccine. Now, I don't know if I'm buying that whole explanation, 
But imagine four cents a day that you can take every day and keep the immune system strong. It's one of the reasons I very, very seldom get sick. I can't remember the last time I got sick. And I didn't even know about this. I was just doing it anyway. So got to tease you now. Got to keep listening. It's pretty important, especially if you need blood sugar issues, if you have blood sugar issues. So it's insulin-dependent diabetes. There's no way to completely reverse it. I'm going to talk about it, though. Research suggests some hope. Columbia University scientists claim that turning off a particular human gene in your gut cells can convert into cells that produce insulin in response to dietary sugar. So actually making your gut cells start producing insulin, where we always thought it was just the pancreas, then recent research, the brain producing insulin, we may be able to somehow activate gut cells to produce insulin. Still early stages. That's not what I'm teasing you about, though. All right, so we have type, we have, uh, we have the early stages, uh, the insulin resistance, we have metabolic syndrome, we have type 1 diabetes, now type 2 diabetes, which we kind of talked about already. Type 2 diabetes is when the body's producing too much insulin, the cells can't take any more sugar, and then the sugar floats around in the blood, gets converted to glycogen, once glycogen stores are filled up, it converts into triglycerides, triglycerides get stored as fat, and that's why if you go on a low-carb diet, you can lose weight, because once the body doesn't have enough sugar stores and glycogen stores... And then it goes to fat and burns the fat. I like the low-carb diets. I don't like the way most people implement them because a lot of the ketogenic folks out there are doing a lot of animal proteins. You can't do too much protein. You can only do about 8 to 10% of your total caloric intake as protein. After that, it puts a strain on your liver and on your kidneys because that protein has to be broken down. It also, if you eat too much animal protein, stimulates something called the MTOR pathway. MTOR is a pathway to create cancer cells. So all these folks out there eating steaks and hamburgers and bacon and losing weight, absolutely, baby, does it work? It works great. Is it healthy? Absolutely not. And then what happens too, if you don't give yourself some carbohydrates, the body, like fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds, the body then takes the protein, puts it in the kidney, in the liver, goes through a process called gluconeogenesis and converts it back to sugar again. So there's your sugar again. So you can't run 100% on ketones. Your body will eventually start to produce some, some glucose if it needs it. So you can cut back on the processed sugars, the bread, cookies, cakes, donuts, and pastas, and eat more fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds. And the kicker is this, that when you're eating high-fiber foods, the fiber slowly pushes the sugar through the colon and you get a slow release of energy. And so you get a slow release of sugar, energy. By the way, calories aren't called calories anymore. They're called energy. I love that. I, I, I had to laugh at that. Boy, talk about being politically correct. We can't even insult calories anymore. We have to call them energy. Still calories. I don't care what they say. So what happens is you get this slow release of sugar so the body can handle a little bit of sugar at a time. It just can't handle these big rushes of sugar. That's where the problems come in. So high fiber with a little bit of carbohydrate, good deal. Where do we get that? Fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds. Type 2 diabetes, by far, the, the most common form of diabetes. Now, this is an interesting study. This was in the Journal of the American, Journal of the American Medical Association Internal Medicine, concluded that insulin therapy in type 2 diabetic patients, ready for this, may indeed do more harm than good. What? Type 2 diabetics taking insulin can do more harm than good? Journal of, Amer Amer Journal of the American Medical Association. And I quote, this is reported by Medical News Today. In the USA, type 2 diabetes is diagnosed when hemoglobin A1C levels reach 6.5% or higher. That's why you check your A1C. 
sometimes the condition can be managed through changes of diet, but other patients with type 2 diabetes may need medications such as insulin or metformin to help lower blood sugar levels and ultimately reduce diabetes. But researchers of this latest study claim the benefits of such treatment, particularly in people over the age of 50, may not always outweigh the negatives. In many cases, insulin treatment may do more may do may not do anything to add to the person's quality of life or life expectancy. That is a controversial statement. This is from the co-author John S. Uden. If people feel insulin therapy reduces their quality of life by anything more than around 2 to 4%, this will outweigh any potential benefits gained by treatment in almost anyone with type 2 diabetes over 50. Got to take a break, folks. We got to cover that when we come back. If you want to make an appointment to come see us, I'm going to cover this. I'm going to tell you a little secret, that one little thing, four cents a day. If you want to make an appointment to come see us, we're chiropractors. Neck pain, back pain, shoulder pain, numbness, tingling, muscle weakness, headaches. We would love to work with you from a pain standpoint. 206 bones in the body, any one of them can come out of place. We'd like to work with you. We also want to work on your diet. We want to do a nutritional workup with you. And if you have acid reflux, heartburn, burping, gas, bloating, your stomach most likely is pushed up against your diaphragm. We need to pull it down away from the diaphragm, physically adjusting the spine, adjusting the stomach to put it in a healthier position, like a massage, like you'd massage a muscle because your stomach's a muscle. So if you want to come see us, we have, in the Atlanta area, we have offices in Marietta, Duluth, and Stockbridge. Go to my website, drjoe.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Joe. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to For the Health Fit. Remember to subscribe to this podcast, and I'll help you naturally get well and stay well. You can also listen to and call into my radio show live Sunday evenings from 7 to 9 Eastern Time on wsbradio.com and on the WSB Radio app. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.